Hi, and welcome to PowerNap. My name is John Walden, and I run the Walden Agency. On the pod, we'll be exploring a range of topics relevant to freelancers, agencies, and entrepreneurs in the tech and creative spaces. My guest today is John Sanfilippo. John is an audio branding professional based in Kingston, Ontario. He started his career in radio broadcasting 20 years ago and founded Titan Sound nearly 10 years ago. Over the course of the years, he's combined his experience with media and music to provide brands with unique strategies and assets using the power of sound. John, welcome to the pod. Thank you, John. It's good to see you and hear you. <laughs> yes, good indeed. And it's been a while, huh? It's been a little while. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. What's been going on? Oh, lots, lots of things have been going on, both in my business and in sort of the the broader view of of what I do. Yeah, just in the industry and in, in general, yeah. there's there's a lot of been, been going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you busy? As I hear, a lot of people are. Yeah, well, COVID's been weird because it's been a lot of off and on kind of things. Like I do a lot of uh, commercial work and a lot of my regular clients uh, are not really advertising right now. But there have been mm. some interesting new things that have popped up in the last little while. So yeah, COVID's been uh, a challenge, but it's generally it's been good, though. Like when things are slow, uh, you know, there's an opportunity to kind of... Um, take a step back and, and look at what's going on and, and do some of those things that maybe you didn't have time for before. Uh, right. I was saying to somebody just yesterday, um, when you do get to that point in your business, and I, as you mentioned, I've been in business about 10 years now, and it was about maybe about five years ago, where it kind of built that critical mass where, you know, work was coming to me and I wasn't out sort of hustling people as much. And, uh, and and that's a good position to be in. But when you get to that point where you're just trying to get the work done and get to the end of the day, there's something in the back of your mind that's kind of saying, there's something else I should be doing or reading or I should be educating myself on something. I'm probably missing something right now. So in the last year, you know, when things have slowed down, there's been uh, an opportunity to, uh, to to learn a little bit more and to explore other things. So yeah, it's been good. Very cool, very cool. And, um, you know, I've been hearing and, and seeing uh, that, you know, the kind of acceleration of, of the shifted digital, um, have you, because of the way that your work, work, you know, is situated, is that, is that a part of what you're seeing for your clients and their needs in terms of audio or that doesn't. Now, when you, when you say digital, like, can you be a little more specific? So people and... getting online, realizing that the, you know, like, like everything went remote. So people were no longer able to serve their customers at the store. They had to get their website going. They had to get things in place. There was kind of an acceleration. And this is both from research and also anecdotally, there's been an acceleration to like get your digital act together. How has that played out in your work? Yeah, I'm not sure that affected me in the same way that it affected a lot of other industries. Uh, mm -hmm. Like a, I do a lot of um, commercial work, a lot of branding, um, mm -hmm. and a lot of my regular clients that were running commercials and advertising, uh, some of them 
uh, a lot of them were not functioning. Like I do uh, commercials for about a, like a dozen casinos in the province of Ontario, and they uh, have not been running since the start of the pandemic. So, I mean, that's gone right out the window until things open up again. But uh, there have been other um, clients of mine who, uh, yeah, you have seen them shift. Like I, I do work for uh, some of the, I do some work for the college here and they've had they've gone from sort of conventional commercials to um uh, we, we did a, a piece for their convocation ceremony which was happening online and there was this pre-recorded piece uh, uh things like that there's so there's some it's the same skills and it's the same approach but uh, the application has certainly changed yeah in, in a lot of ways mm -hmm. okay okay all right so uh you you know, you've talked a little bit about your work as uh, doing audio branding. Um, tell me a little bit more about that. Um, how did you, so you were a, a sound, you were in radio and broadcasting and you decided to start an agency. And did you start, or you started, you know, doing your own stuff. Did you, like, what was that transition like and where, where did the idea of moving into a spe the specific space of branding occur? Yeah, I'm not even sure it was a transition. It was sort of a kind of a, a gradual evolution, really, because, yeah, mm -hmm. I, as you mentioned, I started uh, in radio about 20 years ago, uh, primarily as a producer. And uh, I did that for roughly 10 years. And I, my previous job, I was actually working for the military. They had a radio station broadcasting into Afghanistan from one of the military bases, which is a really unique job, really interesting opportunity. Uh, but that was always meant to be a transitory thing. So that lasted about four years. And when I found myself out of the job, it just seemed like as good a time as any to do my own thing. And I'd kind of had that in the back of my mind anyway for quite some mm -hmm. time. And I sort of had a, a, a studio set up, but it was a matter of just making some upgrades and some changes. But uh, yeah, over the last uh, almost 10 years, it's just been a gradual evolution because I've always had this uh, broadcast background, but I've always been a musician as well. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was an opportunity to kind of form a confluence between the two. Uh, so originally when I started Titan, I was just going to do, you know, kind of the same stuff I was already doing, a lot of broadcast products and things like that. But uh, I kept, uh, I, I noticed that in this market, I didn't really have any direct competition. There are other studios, but they tend to focus on musicians and music and that sort of thing, whereas I mm -hmm. had this background in broadcast and um, advertising and that sort of thing. So it was an opportunity to sort of put all those skills together and apply them to different things. So uh, I started doing, uh, finding opportunity doing commercial work and voiceovers and jingles and um, professionally mm -hmm. voiced phone menus and things like that. There are all these different elements of um of the business world uh, where you know sound was involved and that just sort of grew into uh the, the nat natural next step was audio branding mm -hmm. so these days uh i sort of see audio branding is kind of the superordinate term for everything else that i do it's it's about having this sort of concept of how does the brand sound right when you can't see the brand 
you have to be able to hear the brand. And there's an increasing demand for that as we, uh, as with this sort of uh, prevalence of audio only media, like what we're doing right now. Right, right, uh, there's right. all this media that's just blowing up the podcasting, you know, streaming content, smart speakers, voice interface, all this stuff is on the rise. And most brands are not prepared for audio only media. So when you can't see the brand, you have to hear the brand. So it, that's sort of where I am now is uh, working with brands to figure out how they sound and how those sounds are applied to all the media touch points and even environments where applicable. Nice, nice. And that's so, you know, fascinating to me, um, you know, my focus and and uh, where I'm coming at the world is from a strategic perspective and looking at the you know upfront positioning or, or you know core strategy for a business as it translates to marketing. If we think about the mm. um, realm of sound and we've seen plenty of representations of the recording of music, right in biopics and all sorts of you know different, things, right? So um, different movies. And so you get this idea that there's the sound guy, right? The hands-on knobs. Mm -hmm. And then there's the um, producer. Uh, and in some cases, that producer is the, the super influential shaping the whole package of a band. Mm -hmm. and, in, yep. and in other cases, depending on what the emphasis of the movie is, the hands-on knobs is where all the magic happens, right? The sound engineer themselves is like, oh man, mm -hmm. we got to bring the bass up here. This is going to like whatever, right? Yep. So, I mean, in that, like with that as a reference, and I know that for a lot of people listening, that might be a useful way of kind of imagining that world. How applicable is any of that to what you do? as a as a way of providing context. Yeah, I think that works really well. And you, you talked about, you know, the, the the guy with the knobs making the magic. I, I think all those people uh, bring a bit of the magic uh, to the table. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's there's a lot of different pieces, a lot of different stages to that process. And I am, as you would call, an agency of one. So I'm kind of the person who has to wear all of those pants and do all of those things. Uh -huh. uh, but uh, but yeah, it, it starts. There's all all those pieces apply. There's there has to be the the sort of greater vision, that oversight. Uh, that person with the big picture, and then you have all those details, you know, those person, the people you see with moving the faders and uh, and routing cables and things like that. And all of that uh, contributes in big ways and small ways to sort of the, the broader product. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And where, you know, if you would say like, where does the, you know, you're entering in, in a sense, you're entering from the strategy perspective of the audio, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and it's, uh, you brought up like movies and, and shows and that sort of thing. And with this, from a strategic standpoint, you want to, uh, you approach it like I produce uh, sonic style guides, similar to the way oh, you would produce a visual style guide. And I'm working on one right now where I'm laying out, you know, here are the do's and don'ts of instrumentation and genre oh. and oh. all of those things. Uh, yeah, you need to lay all that out because you want it to be uh, distinctive enough 
uh, that like I always tell people, if you have like a Sonic logo or a jingle, uh, you want it uh to first of all that needs to be part of the whole presentation but you want the presentation to be distinctive enough and unique enough to you that you could remove your name and still be recognized right mm -hmm. that's how mm -hmm. fine of a point you want to put on it and something right. i'm working on right now something that's new to me uh you know will often Put a really fine point on the voice right and that brand i mentioned earlier uh i'm working on the voice as well so it's like okay well what is the voice is it male is it female is it young is it old is it authoritative is it effervescent you, you know you go through all these different qualities even the mm -hmm. accent um and even things like key words right uh right. like disney for example everything's magic 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 right is the, right, right. is there a word we can take ownership of uh, that's going to sort of be indicative of who we are and what we do. Uh, and even uh, the, the writing style, that's something I'm exploring right now. Like you, you talk about the literal voice, the spoken voice, but then writers will talk about, you know, they'll speak about voice in terms of how the, uh, the writing is approached, getting into mm -hmm. that as well. Right, exactly. And, um, and I always say that, yeah, the, uh, the goal is to remove your name you wouldn't actually do this because that'd be silly but you you want to produce something that is distinctive enough that you could remove your name from the ad and they would still know that it's you and to use a visual analogy because i always use visual analogies because the two are very analogous actually uh you could take the mcdonald's logo remove the word mcdonald's you still recognize those arches and mm -hmm. the right. same principle uh is applied to sound yeah yeah and i've heard it in relationship to um, website design, if you took your thumb and put it over the logo, is there anything about the website that doesn't, you know, isn't just like can generic, right? Like yeah. what makes it your brand? If you take, if you remove the logo, how do, is there anything that's distinctive that is a brand quality is beyond that? Yeah. No, that's that's totally it. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I'm always explaining auditory concepts using visual analogies because there are just so many parallels between the two. And, and a moment ago, uh, you know, we we're talking about uh, like, like movies and things like that. Uh, even shows and movies can have their own sonic identity. Uh, mm -hmm. Like Seinfeld totally owns the slappy bass, right? Right, right. right. Uh, things like that. And I know in um, in Game of Thrones, they only used instrumentation that would have existed with that level of technology. So it was a uh, lot of strings, right? They never had any uh, pianos, you uh, know, nothing like that. It was right, very right. Um, uh, distinct and deliberate sonic DNA at play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think about... Um, uh, Dennis Villeneuve, is that how you say his name? The oh, guy. Denis Villeneuve, yeah. Yeah. His, He's brilliant. Yeah. When, and he, you, you like, one of the things I like watching his movies for is the, is the sound. Mm. And sometimes the kind of like the kind of spatial, almost absence of sound he injects into this kind of like, you know, it's like, it's still, there's still sound, but it's kind of like, it's so spacious and so, you know, like it's like he see, he's taken ownership of that piece of what you might call his brand. 
Yeah, well, and I could talk all day about directors and their signature sounds. Yeah, I'm, I'm just watching uh, uh, David Lynch's uh, recent Twin Peaks um, miniseries. Oh yeah, and the the sound like I didn't. I was looking at the credits. He actually does all the sound design. Oh, interesting. Because he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. Yes, yeah. But but no, it's very distinctive. There's lots of like ticks and a lot of. Uh, a lot of non-musical elements, a lot of unconventional sounds uh, that mm. really set the tone. And um, mm. yeah, I, I could really go down a rabbit hole with this. But, yeah. You know. yeah. Well, let's instead of going down that rabbit hole, let's talk a little bit about um, positioning. So to me, you're a great example of how uh, positioning helps prospective clients, not only in making a choice to reach out to you, but also in that self-selecting out. Mm-hmm. You know, if I think like, gosh, I need help making my podcast sound cleaner, it's not, I mean, you're not going to be at the top of mind. I'm going to look for somebody who has a lot of technical skill and maybe a laptop and can help me mess around with this. Mm -hmm. But if I'm looking to say, I want to take this up to the next level in terms of an identity, well, then you're my guy. Yeah, yeah, and that technical stuff. I mean, I can certainly do that, but like you right. said, I mean, there's there's a different focus and and maybe dare I say a higher focus. Yeah, for a podcast, I'd be looking at the sort of sound identity of the podcast. And I hear so many podcasts where there clearly isn't uh that's um that sense of of planning and that sense of strategy. Uh mm-hmm. there's so many podcasts where the music, for example, was chosen not because it's appropriate to the subject matter, but because someone liked it on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And it's very obvious because th- there isn't any congruency between what would be the perceived brand values and the actual music that's coming out. And, and a lot of the time you hear podcasts start with like really energetic music. And then once people start talking, it just falls off a cliff, right? <laughs> like it needs to set yeah. the tone for the discussion, but it also, like I said, needs to have some congruency between uh, yeah, the musical approach uh, and what are we trying to express? What what? How do we set the tone for the discussion that's about to play out? Yeah, yeah. And so, do you find that you are, you know, that the way you're positioned helps who reaches out to you, or do people still reach out to you and say, "Can you clean up my"? I still get those requests and I still do those requests. And Mm -hmm. it's funny because I, I work, um, I I do have kind of a local focus as well. You know, like you, you try to cast a broad net, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, but I still have all these sort of local, uh, connections as well. So there's a lot of stuff like I'll get people, you know, like somebody a few blocks away who will say, Hey, I've got all these old tapes. Can you digitize them? It's like, no, (laughs) I I can do that. But yeah, but you know, I'm I'm sort of, I guess, overqualified for, for that sort of thing. Right. Um, yeah, sorry. What what was your original question? I'm just kind of, so do you find that you, um, the, the kind of people who make inquiries are influenced by the position you've taken? Yeah, I think it's it's getting that way because again, there's been a shift in, in not even a shift, but just a gradual evolution over the last several years. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been that repositioning, and then when you reposition, you sort of wait for people to catch up to a certain degree. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's my business, you know, the 
as my, my personal, you know, approach to business as opposed to the broader industry, uh, there's, um, it, it's just constantly evolving. Uh, so that, I think that's really the challenge is, is kind of getting the word out and, and having, trying to get people, um, to be more aware of, of what you're doing and what your focus is. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of an ongoing process for me. Right. Right. I mean, uh, to me, the part of that process comes from just being on point all the time. Right. And the other is, you know, producing the content to, so that people can hear you and, yeah. and understand what you're about. Um, well, a big part of it is, is really educating. Because mm-hmm. a lot Absolutely. of people um, you know, are not very familiar with audio branding, sonic branding, the words are used interchangeably. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't even know it exists. Right. Uh, so for myself and, and my peers in, the in, in this industry, a big part of our job really is just educating, uh, just getting people to understand this is something that's available, first of all. Uh, it's about getting people to think about brand in a more multi-sensory way uh, mm-hmm. because it's not just visual there are four other senses at work and sound plays uh, a very important and very unique role in uh, in making your making the brand experience more three-dimensional and more immersive mm-hmm. so no that's that's a big part of, of the business is just getting the word out and getting the conversation started and, and letting people know that this is available and it's a, it, it can do things uh, that your visual assets cannot. Right. Right. I mean, a couple of, you know, like number one, we've seen, and you, we've, you've alluded to this, but we've seen the, and this is true across the board, video, graphics, audio, etc. cetera, pro- producing, um, uh, publishing that, the tools have really become commodities that yeah. they're there. It's not like you need to have a mixing board and all these things, you know, microphones and everything. I, I, you know, I have a microphone set up here. I could pull the microphone. I'd still be able to get a very passable um, recording out of this laptop, just talking mm-hmm. at the laptop um, and listening to you. Right. So that kind of as, has in a way made all those things much more accessible to just everybody. And then the moment you step into that puddle, you're like, holy cow, this is a deep puddle. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you you know, you don't, I don't, I don't think I'm going to bring anything new to the table here, but yeah, you don't want to get caught in that race to the bottom. And (laughs) uh, it's, it's tricky these days because as you pointed out, um, the equipment is just so much more accessible now. I mean, like 40 years ago, you had to have, hundreds of thousands of dollars to produce, you know, a, a decent professional product. And, yeah. you know, now you've got folks, you know, you just take a USB mic, plug it into your laptop and, you know, the quality's not the greatest, but as you said, it's passable, you know, people right. can understand you and, you know, it's not necessarily irritating to, to listen to. Yeah. So yeah, that's also been part of the impetus for looking at sound a little more strategically is, uh, first of all, personal interest. I mean, I'm just always interested in learning new things and what can I do with, with this? How can I, uh, you know, continue to, to chase these interests? Uh, mm-hmm. so the obvious 
solution is to sort of look at it more broadly, more strategically. And, uh, and yeah, you, you don't want to get caught in that race to the bottom, you know, and people uh, talk about using Fiverr, like I've seen, you know, uh -huh. reputable companies, you know, getting uh, work done from kind of the shady corners of the internet. <laughs> so yeah, and you, you don't want to be part of that. So no, I, I think it, it's both on a per personal and professional level. Yeah, it's just I've had a it's just been very gratifying to explore uh, this sort of deeper and more uh, strategic um, aspect of, of what I've been doing for the last yeah. 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. In the few minutes we have left, let's talk about like where this is going. I mean, we've touched a little bit on the tech. We didn't go deep into voice interface, smart speakers, things like that. But where do you think this is going? We've just seen the kind of clubhouse um, flash and we'll see how it actually pans out. Ooh, um, there's, uh, I'm hearing about uh, live podcasting apps where it's, you're much, you know, it's kind of like the clubhouse model, except it's A, not live, and B, you have much more control over who's participating. But the idea is that you wouldn't be just you and me talking here, but there'd be other people who could join, listen live, and then be called on to, you know, ask, you know, for a Q&A or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, you know, there's, uh, um, I know um, Twitter is working with live, with um, Spaces, which is an audio-based platform. Where do you think this is going? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. And all those platforms you mentioned, I'm really curious to see, you know, if they are just transitory or if they do have some staying power, you know, you mm -hmm. could look at 15 years ago when social media was starting up and it's like, is this going to be a fad? You know, where, I don't know where it's going, but I'm curious to see where it's going. Um, but uh, the industry in general, uh, the sound and, and branding industry, I think in the next, I, I think what COVID did is it really exposed a need for it for having something, um, being able to put a really fine point on what you do sonically and, uh, and being able to adapt. And one of the weird things that happened at the start of the pandemic was, uh, you know, we all remember those commercials with the sad piano music and uh, this footage of empty spaces and the voiceover that mm -hmm. said in these troubled times and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, and it was funny because every commercial was exactly the same. And if you don't believe me, there's a clip on YouTube called every COVID commercial is exactly the same, which <laughs> lays out the formula. Uh, but when I saw that, I was like, this is indicative of a lack of self-awareness uh, mm. with the brand uh, mm. and a lack of emotional depth. And one of the, the things that makes sound such a, a unique tool and opportunity is often visuals convey information, sounds convey in emotion. Oh. And what we saw during COVID was a very obvious lack of emotional depth. A lot of these brands, when they were faced with a crisis, didn't know what to do. There was no guide, right? Mm -hmm. uh, except for the ones that did have a very defined sonic and emotional identity and the ones that were able to pivot. Like mm -hmm. a great example was uh, State Farm 
they have you know everybody knows they're like a good neighbor da, da. Uh, mm -hmm. they've just been using the instrumental portion for the last few years but they've had that consistent sonic identity for about 50 years yep. and they didn't have to do that panic commercial all they did was just take their existing audio dna and just scale it back just tone it back slightly so yeah i think in the future you know i think platforms will come and go but i think where people really need to put their focus is digging deeper uh how digging deeper into their emotional core because mm -hmm. a lot of these brands when they were forced to dig deeper they found they didn't have a big enough shovel <laughs> nicely put so so nicely no I, I think uh there's a lot of technical stuff which i'm really looking forward to seeing uh the digital technology has evolved so much in the last 10 15 years uh but mm -hmm. i'm really curious to see how it evolves uh from a strategic standpoint and from a mm -hmm. creative standpoint you know the, the tools will come and go but uh, all those principles uh will be there and they need to be evolved further Mm, yeah, right on, right on. And um, I've heard it said that um, podcasts, for example, uh, which are pure audio, right, create uh, a sense of intimacy, and you brought the emotional piece into there. Mm. Um, and familiarity with the with the speakers, with well, the person who's listening to the speakers. And we have that with audiobooks as well, potentially, if the, you know, if it's well done. Intimacy is crucial for audio content because mm -hmm. people are almost always listening independently. And I'm always giving podcasters and YouTubers a hard time because the first thing they'll say is, hey, guys, it's like, yeah. no, no, don't address a faceless mass of people. You were talking to one person. Like I went That's to radio right. school. The first thing they told us, like almost day one, you were talking to one person. And mm -hmm. that rule is still relevant. Uh, and yeah, audio media is like it, in intimacy is, is crucial and especially even by its nature, because you have one or two people with each with a microphone and it goes to somebody with a set of headphones with virtually nothing in between. If we're talking mm -hmm. about a movie or a talk show, there's all kinds of people at work, but audio content by its nature is very intimate, very personal, um, medium and and people that work in it recognize that they get a different reaction when they meet uh fans or uh, or consumers of their content it's very different reaction from meeting say a movie star right they feel uh -huh. like they have a more personal connection to them there isn't that same sort of sense of adulation that you would get from meeting somebody you know in in like film yeah, or tv yeah. you i i know that you kind of want to continue the conversation I've been listening to you and now it's my turn to talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, to the one person who's listening, uh, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> to our friend, to our, our yes. very long awaited yeah. good friend. Yes. Yes. So really brilliant. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time this morning uh, and, and chatting with me. Appreciate you taking the time and the conversation. Thanks, John. I'll talk to you soon.